Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, episode 920 of the Real Deal Podcast. As we look back at a week number five in the NFL, a uh, lot to talk about. Um, AI AI is taking over. And I'm not talking about Allen Iverson. We, I'm on Zoom and now they have an AI companion, which I have no idea what that even ent- entails. I haven't. I just saw it. That just saw it before before we went on. Before I went on, so tell me, get to know AI. Like get is is here. It's not coming. It's here. So just thought I'd share that with you. Um, themes of the week uh, for this week: Hackett gets the last laugh in a NFC Championship rematch. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. But first, we're going to begin with all the thoughts. Uh, Buffalo falls to Jacksonville 25-20 uh, in a game that was completely, for the most part, dominated by Jacksonville. They were up basically the entire game. Buffalo looked completely out of it as far as being flat. And listen, I look, I cannot, first of all, Jacksonville is a, is a pretty good team. Um, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I'm a big believer in, in Trevor Lawrence as a as a franchise quarterback. I really think he's I think he's very good. I think he's going to be good for a long time. Um, in Jacksonville, a lot of people there were a lot of people that were picking Jacksonville, not a lot, but a few people that were picking Jacksonville as kind of like a sleeper AFC Championship possible Super Bowl, which I don't quite see that. But listen, Jack, they have a lot of talent. They have some talent. They have some talent, nice pieces. Not actually they have a lot of talent, but they have some nice pieces, and they will be definitely in the playoff mix. But I, I, I can't. I'm not going to go too crazy about this loss from a Bills perspective. Uh, I'm sure Robert Sat was not happy. Um, he's not happy when they win sometimes. So I, I definitely, I'm, I definitely, definitely sure that he was not too, too pleased about this performance. But these London games are like Thursday night games. They are very. I would never bet. If I were a betting man, I would never bet on any of these games, London or Thursday or Thursday night, because you just you just never know. Uh, the short time period, the short time span for the short week for Thursday, the traveling, you know, across the globe, across the pond for London start time. Even I mean, these teams are starting to get in you know, a few days earlier, like basically almost uh, not a whole week earlier, but like. You know, teams are fly are flying in like on a Tuesday, but that still doesn't matter. Like your body still has to adjust. Especially professional athletes, football players have a routine that their bodies have a certain clock. They're certain they just they are creatures of habit. So anything can throw that off. I don't care how much you have to adjust or how like you use the same practice schedule, you use the same rhythm, the same everything, weight training, all that. So. These games, I just you just never know with these games. And this game was not like I said. This as well as Buffalo was playing, it did not surprise me that they lost to Jacksonville. Jacksonville, you know, could beat Buffalo on a regular day. To be honest with you, um, so I, I'm not going to read too much into this game. Uh, excellent, for, and Jackson because Jacksonville. To be honest with you, Jackson. The thing that would bother me from a Buffalo standpoint is Jacksonville. I know Jacksonville had like 400 or close to 500 yards of offense, but they didn't play great. Like this wasn't a a this wasn't a grade a A plus Jacksonville performance. I, mean, I would give Jacksonville probably like a B plus in this game. I mean they did have a couple of turnovers. Uh, they left points on the board. 
but Buffalo just again was absolutely just could not get out of this, get out of his own way uh, in the first half. In particular, you know, talking about only having like seven points <laughs> in the first half. Um, so again, these are one of these performances that if you're Buffalo, again, I think you just kind of like toss it aside and keep it moving um, because. You're talking about, but now it still is an annoying loss because it's an intercon, it's a, it's a conference loss, and you know possible playoff positioning, home field advantage. So it still matters from that standpoint. So you don't like the loss, um, but I again I can't read too much into it. I can't put too much stock uh, into this loss. To be honest with you, one way or the other, one way or the other, I'm not going to react to Jacksonville winning or overreact to uh, Buffalo losing. Marquee games. This was supposed to be a marquee game, uh, and it turned out to be, you know, like a football version of Crawford Spence. Um, San Francisco absolutely just annihilated the Dallas Cowboys. And again, I, listen, if you saw this game, you absolutely know what happened. I'm not going to reenact what transpired. We we know that right now, these like they're not Dallas is not in San Francisco's class. They're not in Philadelphia's class. They're not in the class of a few teams in the NFL right now. I, I'm gonna give a big picture. Um, I'm gonna make a big picture point for the Dallas Cowboys. I ain't even talking about this season. I'm talking about beyond the season. Looking at Dak Prescott, right? And they're again. It's easy to blame for Dak Prescott. He was he was terrible in this game, but so was the Dallas defense. That defense was horrible. So Mackay, uh, Michael Parsons, I don't want to hear from any of the defensive players any like any more talking. I, I just don't want to hear from them because the defense, San Francisco, Forty did whatever they wanted to offensively against that defense, whatever they wanted to. But thinking about Dak Prescott, um, he has an out in his contract. He has one more season left on his contract. Which will and which will be a fifty nine million dollar cap hit in twenty twenty four, right? You trade it for Trey Lance. Now, normally, if Dak were that were that dude and Cowboys, the Cowboys actually believed in him, it would be automatic that he would get a super massive uh, contract extension this summer, and would make him one of the highest paid players, quarterbacks, and players in the NFL. Period. That would be a foregone conclusion. But as you all know, that's the furthest thing from being a foregone conclusion. You're talking about a guy that, frankly, the team doesn't believe in as a whole. Henceforward, the trade, the trade last trade. And I said this, I said this when I was when I was previewing the NFC East uh back in August. And I told I told y'all this. I wasn't I was not joking. When I said, you know, five questions for the NFC East. Will Dak Prescott finish this season as the Dallas start as the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys? I was not joking when I said that. Even if he's healthy, I was not like I like I was not having fun with the Cowboys, having fun with the Cowboy fans trying to trying to uh, poke at the Cowboy fans. No, I was dead serious when I said that because this thing to me is not going to end well. And I'm telling you right now, it, the trade deadline is in three weeks. Three weeks from today, I think it's four, yeah, four p.m. on uh, Halloween night, Halloween day. It like it would not. I, I don't think it's going to happen. But I'm telling you right now, it would not be the worst thing to trade Dak Prescott if this if his performance doesn't pick up, or if you if Dallas starts losing some losing some more games because. 
here's the thing. You're not giving him a ridiculous contract after next year, after this this summer. And he's and he's not going to take a Dallas discount at the age of 30, 31. These are his prime years. Okay. Even if he like, let's say Dallas does make the playoffs and he has a decent year, he's still gonna want market value, which is for a starting quarterback. He's making 40 now. He's gonna want market value for a quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. A quarterback on the playoff team is anywhere from 45 to 50 million. That's market value. He's not taking he's not taking a haircut as a starting quarterback in the NFL. It's just not happening. So Training him, you could still get there. Still be some teams out there that would think that they're that that Prescott away from possibly getting to the playoffs, or maybe even further. And you're getting some, you're going to get some capital in terms of draft draft picks. But I just don't see how this thing plays out well for either Dak Prescott or Dallas Cowboys if he remains on that roster past this season. Like I, I don't see how they. I I cannot envision. A uh, situation where they paid Dak Prescott, they give Dak Prescott a massive contract ex- extension. I think I, I really think this is going to be his last year with the Dallas Cowboys. To be honest, to be perfectly honest with you, but if Dallas, if you're Dallas and you want um, something for him, I think trading him would not be the worst thing. It wouldn't be because you the worst thing you could do is give him a, a a a massive contract extension. You will end up like Denver. You will end up like the Denver Broncos with Russell Wilson. And remember, Russell Wilson. This fall off has been like quick. This fall off was like this fall off that Russell Wilson has had is is not. Is, it happened quickly. And Dak Prescott at in his best day was at his absolute peak was never as good as Russell Wilson was was. So Dak is not going to get any better than he is right now. He's not. He's not getting better. He will not get better. It's only going to get worse. So you're waiting. I mean, he's 30 years old now. You, he is who he is as a quarterback. You hit 30 as a quarterback. You've been in the league for seven, eight years. You are who you are at this point. You are who you are. That's it. So, um, Russell Wilson, like, like I said, he's never on his best day. Has never been as good as Russell Wilson. So his fall off could be will probably be even worse than what Russell Wilson's is right now. If you're Dallas, you you don't want to end up you don't want to end up in the same situation that that, that Denver is, given a ridiculous contract extension, and then your franchise tying up your franchise to where you will have to lose some valuable pieces probably coming off that defense. You got to play Parsons at one at one point at some point. You got to play C.D. Lamb at some point. I mean, you have to play this other cornerback that's been great for him as well. Uh, not Terion Diggs. They already paid him, but this they have another cornerback that's played well. You're going to pay him. So that's the big. That's the thought that I was that ran through my head as I'm watching him throw interception after interception. As I'm watching him being thoroughly, and I mean thoroughly, outplayed by Brock Purdy. Thoroughly outplayed. Like it wasn't even close. Uh, from that standpoint, and um, I'll say this about the 49ers. Um, listen, they are right now the most complete team in football. It's not even a question uh, from that standpoint. It's just a matter of them staying healthy. If Brock, if Brock Purdy, first of all, Brock Purdy, he plays, keeps playing like this, he's going to be the MVP of the league, and no one will beat the 49ers if Brock Purdy plays at this level. No one. They are too balanced. Obviously, they're well-coached. And they that team is like they are loaded up and down from one to fifty three. They are the most they are the most complete team in football. 
from one to fifty-three. Really have no visible weaknesses. Maybe you can go after their secondary a little bit, but the pass rush is insane. So they they can kind of cover, they can mask the secondary a bit with their coverages, and also because their front seven is is dominant. They have the best front seven in football. Period. The best front seven in football. It's just a matter of them keeping, obviously, Purdy healthy, healthy, but more importantly, keeping Christian McCaffrey healthy. That is job one for Kyle uh, for Kyle Shanahan. They they've got to kind of like navigate Christian McCaffrey through this season because his uh, his usage to take an NBA term a little high, a little high right now. I would kind of really monitor that if I'm San Francisco. You you want that guy? You have to have that guy for January. Because outside of Purdy, he is your most like he's your most valuable player. Maybe what Trent Williams is right there as well at the left tackle. That's how dominant he is. So, but right now, there's the most complete team in football. And like I said, if Purdy keeps playing at this level, there's no question that they will not only go to the Super Bowl, but they'll win the Super Bowl. I love this game. Uh, Baltimore falls to Pittsburgh seventeen to ten. Um, this was a absolute rollback game to the Steelers-Ravens games of the past. Just physical, knock each other's hands off type defense. Uh, a vintage defensive performance, especially in the second half by Pittsburgh, holding Baltimore uh, scoreless in the second half. Um, really just uh, just a beautiful performance by a Pittsburgh defense. I, and, you know, Pickett made the plays that he had to make. Of course, the, the the last would be the touchdown to Pickens. We know Pickens has a chance to be a, a excellent, uh, a tremendous receiver. They always get him in Pittsburgh. Always, you know, this receiver university uh, with the Steelers. Um, listen, it's very the discourse with Lamar Jackson from week to week is kind of becoming annoying because it's not like one week he's the greatest quarterback ever. Next week, you know, we were not quite sure about Lamar Jackson's fine. Like Lamar Jackson is playing the best football in his career. He had they had six drops on Sunday. Six. It's a lot. It's a lot. Six. Um, so it wasn't on Lamar on Sunday. You can now, by the way, you can't have the interception in the uh the red zone at ten at ten to three. That just that was an absolute game changer, change in play. That interception, you you can't have that. You absolutely can't have that. Or it was either ten to three or ten to five. But that, I mean, if they score on that, forget about a touchdown. If they score a field goal on that, I think the game probably is over. To be honest with you, the way that game was going, Pittsburgh offense was non-existent for the first three quarters. But Pittsburgh, I mean, the story of this game was the Pittsburgh defense. The Pittsburgh defense in the second half was just off the charts. Like it was, it was a throwback. You know, to the James Harrison, Troy Palomalu, you know, Kevin Green, like to the vintage Pittsburgh defense, uh, James Farrier, Cornell Lake, Rod Woodson. Like they they were looking like those Steelers in that second half. TJ Watt. TJ Watt has been every time I see TJ Watt play this year, he's been like a just like the Terminator. Like he's just destroying stuff this year. He has absolutely been a monster. Uh, and we know we know how great TJ Watt is anyway, but he like he every time I every time I've watched him this year, the offenses offensive lines have no chance of blocking him. You just can't block this dude. You just can't. And he's making he's fine. He's 
he finds a way, even when he's not getting pressure on a quarterback or destroying a running back, he finds a way to be in the right place at the right time with a fumble recovery and, and what have you. Uh, of course, yeah, I think he has a touchdown earlier this season. So he has been absolutely all over the place. Um, and you know, Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh is who they are. The standard is the standard. They, you know, we know they're not vintage. We know they're not quite there offensively yet. We, they're not there. I mean, Pick is not there. The running game is okay. The offensive line is not what it, what it used to be. But defensively, they can bring it up. They can really turn it up, turn it up, turn it up defensively and, and give you one of those throwback performances. This was a very big missed opportunity for the Baltimore Ravens. Let me tell you why. You look at losses and you say, look at losses, you say, ah, it's one of, one of 17, okay? You know, 17 games. All of, all of them matter, of course. Uh, a loss in September can hurt your playoff positioning or keep you on outright out of the playoffs in general. This one, if Baltimore wins this game, they are they would have been 4-1. So they have been two games, two, four games ahead of Pittsburgh as well as Cincinnati. But more importantly, they have been 3-0 in the division on the road. Remember, they beat Cleveland on the road, they beat Cincinnati on the road. Like, the I, I think, the, frankly, the division's over at that point. Minus, of course, you know, a, a Lamar Jackson injury. But I think this is, the division almost would have been over. They would have had a, really a three-game lead with, with, three, with three games on the, at, at home against those teams. Now they're still going to have an advantage because they end up they end up, you know, they're three and two and they're two and one on the road, which is which is fine. You'll take two and one on the road. But they really had a like three and zero oh on the road in your division is like gold. Like that that's that doesn't happen that often. Um, to be honest with you, especially in today's NFL with the uh, with the talent being as as spread out as it is, so that was a absolute golden opportunity for Baltimore to take this. To take this division by the by the by the uh, by the throat, and really, you know, have their you know really be in total control of this division. But now, you know, Cincinnati won this week. You got Pittsburgh to tie with Pittsburgh. Well, in essence, Pittsburgh uh, has a tiebreaker because they beat them. But they're for a dog. They're now for like a eleven week dog fight. To be honest with you, a 12, 11, 12 week dog fight for this division. They're gonna have to earn. They're gonna have to earn this division now because they are now they've brought everybody to them. Um, like everybody's within a game. Everybody's either, is either tied or within or within a game of them. So a golden opportunity missed for the Baltimore Ravens. Great, great win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just tremendous win for them. A game that they actually, you know, did not even play well for the most part offensively, but were able to hang around and take it and, and finish the job in the fourth quarter. So the deep dive, uh, Jonathan Taylor uh, signed a three-year, $42 million contract extension. Um, only Christian McCaffrey is making more, and also in certain categories, Alvin Kamara is making more than, than Taylor uh, as a running back. Here, here's the thing. So it's not even about the money that he got. It's not even about that. Uh, it's not a it's not a terrible contract. It's not one, you know this is not Ezekiel Elliott a few years back with the Cowboys when you when he signed that contract. You said to yourself, "This is insane!" Like, I like you don't pay running backs like this, and you know the Cowboys paid the price for for that contract. Uh, in essence, in comparison, especially his last two to three years, um, 
So, I mean, this contract will age fine. Like, this contract will age well. That's not the problem. The problem is you didn't have to pay him, to be honest with you. Um, and you spent the better part of the offseason saying that you would not pay him. And I I can't think of a player that has held the team hostage and it turned out well for them. This he's the first guy to he I mean he he clearly won this negotiation. Like it's not even close. Like he won this in a landslide. He's getting the money that he wanted to get. Like he never was asking for just insane, you know, record setting running back money. He never was asking for that. But if you if you listen to what Jim Ursay was talking about in the summertime, you you would have thought that this was going to last the entire season. And, you know, I'm not like, there's dysfunction and then there's dysfunction, but this is a different, this is rare that you are so dysfunctional that it actually benefits the player. Like, I used to see this all the time with Washington uh, with them giving out bad contracts. Now, again, I don't think this is a bad contract. But to me, this shows this shows a different type of dysfunction. Like Washington used to give out just insane amount of money to players who like Albert Hainsworth's contract. There are a number of, like I can go back to Deion Sanders. There are a number of contracts that the Washington gave out that had you scratching your head in, in the Daniel Snyder era. This is different because this is dysfunction in terms of it's not about the money. It's about where where are you going as a franchise? What why did you pay him when you were so hell bent against it? Uh, especially your, your running back Moss is coming off a 156 yard game. You were, we're seeing a rookie in Miami, a rookie who is going to miss a couple of weeks, but was leading the league in rushing. Right, so we know that you can find a running back, and it's not it's not very hard. We know we understand this. You watching the football, watching football. We've been watching football forever. And again, John Patel is a very good, is an absolute, he was an all pro two years ago. He's only 24 years old. I'm not, this contract, I'm not knocking the, the actual contract. I'm not. I just question the mindset or the culture of the Indianapolis Colts in terms of where, in terms of distance with this decision. Which is not, it should be a surprise. Is you know, Jim Irsay, like, you know, Andrew Luck and the whole, like some of the dumb shit that they've done. Uh, over the course of uh, in the Jim Irsay tenure, uh, during just during Jim Irsay's tenure as an owner, but it's very it was this was a very odd situation to say the least, very odd. But listen, it worked out for John Taylor. And again, similar to similar to Dak Prescott as far as trading, he definitely had to have great trade value. There are a number of teams that would have been thinking that they're John Taylor away from. Possibly get to a Super Bowl. His trade value would have been high. A 24 year old running back that doesn't have a lot of mileage on him, who was an All Pro two years ago, like you, like he, I, I myself probably would have would have moved him. I, 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 if I like, I don't get, I don't understand what changed. You were winning. You were actually playing well without him. It's not like you were 0 and five. Like you, like you, they literally had a great win without him. Coming off a, a nice win, not a great win, a nice win over Tennessee. What Indianapolis is what three and two? I believe Indianapolis is three and two uh, right now. So it's not like you know the wheels have not fallen off without Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, Indianapolis is. Uh, yeah, they're three and two. Yeah, they're three. Like, <laughs> so they're playing excellent football right now. 
Uh, Acme from Miami is actually second in rushing behind um, Christian McCaffrey, but not that far. And uh, guess who's third in rushing right now? Zach Moss of the of the of the Indianapolis Colts. So again, look, I you know you try to you, I, I, you will give yourself a a migraine trying to figure out what these teams or what these owners are, are thinking sometimes, um, but. The winner in this situation clearly was Jonathan Taylor. And listen, Indianapolis would be, listen, this is, you know, he's going to produce, like, they have a nice, they have an excellent now one-two punch with Taylor and um, and Boss. So, no, he's going to get on the field and produce, and they'll be in, they'll, they will be in contention for that division. That division is, you know, them and Jacksonville, that division is, is horrible. It's not very good. So, they'll you know, they'll be fine from a standpoint. You know, they could be a one-and-done playoff playoff team but uh i just don't get i just don't get what shifted from august or throughout the regular the the, the uh training camp onto up, up to this point i don't understand what changed but it changed in their mindset in order to make this decision who won the week uh the Pittsburgh defense again lamar jackson had no place to go in the second half no like he they they were on him just like this picture was indicative of how they were on him um Again, divisional rival, so they they're obviously they're familiar with them. They've actually owned Baltimore these last like they've won some like five of the last six meetings. All these all these games have been close games, um, but they the Pittsburgh defense was dominant. Uh, you know, I could have you know you could have San Francisco would have been an easy one. Uh, you saw a great performance out of Joe Burrow, so he returned back somewhat back to form, and and, and Jamar Chase. But this one, this one stood out the most to me. Uh, the Pittsburgh defense against a quarterback that was playing great football. Lamar Jackson is throwing the ball better than he's ever thrown in his life. He really is. He's absolutely throwing the football as well as he's ever thrown it. So don't, let's not lose sight of this loss. Distract us from that fact. He's at the six drop passes. Six. Let's keep that in mind. Stock up, stock down, stock up. It's rare that I have a five uh, under five hundred team. A team that's under 500 would stock up, but I was very impressed with the Rams and have been impressed with the Rams the entire season. The Rams are two and three, they but they have road wins over Seattle and Indianapolis. Those, so in Seattle was three and one going to a bye week. Indianapolis is three and two. Their losses now they have a, a bad one against Cincinnati. That was on a Thursday night. We know it's Thursday night, but their losses are against the Eagles and San Francisco. And San Francisco game was a seven-point game. They played San Francisco better than anyone by far this year. Everybody else, San Francisco has destroyed, but the Rams um, and the Eagles. This game now, this game statistically was a one-sided game, and the Eagles are clearly a superior team to the Rams. But the Rams hung in there for the most part. Uh, for the better, for the most part, the Eagles defense was you know was great in the second half. But I listen. I if you heard me earlier in the summer. With the uh, five questions, I had no faith in the Rams. I thought the Rams were headed to a, to a you know four and thirteen, five and twelve type season. I had no faith in the Rams. Zero. Their defense has actually played well. Uh, they've and they've done it without Cooper Cup up until this point. Uh, he did play in the Philadelphia game, had a nice game, uh, and you know you join him with this new with this young rookie receiver they have. Um, they're, you know, they're going to be 
listen, they're not they they're not what they once were as a, as a Super Bowl contender. That that that's they're not there, but they will be in the mix as far as making the playoffs. Um, as once you get past the top half of the NFC. Those last couple of playoff spots are going to be open. Those six and seven, seven playoff spots are going to be open, especially the seven. So they'll be competing for a playoff spot. Um, they have also, again, one of the, you want to look at an indication of how well they played, despite the fact that they're under 500 by one game. They've outscored, they've actually outscored their opponents uh, once for the 108. So that gives you, and it gives you a pretty good indication of a team that's playing better than what their record indicates, what their record uh, shows. So, I was getting thoroughly impressed with the Rams and the direction that they're going in. Stock down the New York Giant offensive line. Um, did you, so it's pretty hard. It's hard to play any worse than the Giant offensive line. Twenty-eight sacks and eighty-two pressures in five games. Uh, Daniel Jones got knocked out of the Miami game. Not that it would have mattered, but it matter. It would have mattered in that game, but certainly for the season, you know, we'll see. Um, how many weeks he'll be out? If he'll even be out this 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 week coming up. But the bottom line is, look, there's, look when you sign a guy to the much the amount of money that you sign Daniel Jones to, your number one priority has to be to protect him. Um, it is not hard to reinvent, to rebuild, to improve your offensive line. It's not. You can like it's free agency draft like. Literally, you can shift your two forty percent of your offensive line in, in one offseason. Maybe in some cases, I've seen we see Kansas City shift their entire offensive line uh, following that Super Bowl loss to to um, Tampa Bay. We saw them change just almost everybody. Like nature, and they, you know, Kansas City will they <laughs> even this offseason, Kansas City made a number of changes to their offensive line because that is where you know, that's where the the, the sausage is made. That's I mean you have to have it, especially with these these high value high price quarterbacks. You like you can't go in with an average New York offensive line, and it is inexcusable for the Giant offensive line to be this bad. Talking about twenty eight sacks through five games. I mean that's five sacks a game for a, for a, for a mobile quarterback. Like and Daniel Jones is not a guy that holds the ball like Russell Wilson and, and takes sacks from that standpoint. No. He's just getting the shit kicked out and shit kicked out of him, you know, the shit beat out of him. And he, like, it doesn't matter who they play. You can get pressure on the New York Giants, on Daniel Jones and, New York, and, and the New York Giant quarterback, whoever's playing quarterback for him. You, you're going to be able to get pressure on him. So there's no way that this offensive line should be this bad. And, again, it is not hard to fix an offensive line in the offseason. It's, it's really not hard. You can get like you don't even have to have a first round draft, but you can get offensive linemen in, in the third and fourth round that are quality. So uh the Giants are gonna get the Giants are going to it's gonna be a long it's already been a long year, but they are not gonna be able to keep him upright for for this season if it go if, he, if it keeps going like this. And we again we've seen this ruin quarterbacks. We've saw this with uh with David Carr. Okay. We saw his with uh, Andrew Luck. Like, we've seen quarterbacks take so many hits to where they're not the same people. They're not the same player. And it just ruined careers. A couple of thoughts before I head out. Um, you know, we have we celebrate a lot of random days. You know, you'll have 
ice cream day, you will have this hamburger day, you know, shit like that. Today actually is a day that matters from a standpoint of one of those days in terms of it being World Mental Health Day. Um, I'm excited to see the progress in terms of the awareness that has been, that has been made in terms of mental health over the past, say, five or six years, especially coming out the pandemic. Uh, pandemic. And listen, um, there are a lot of resources out there that um, – are to the benefit of of us, are to the benefit of of people, are to the benefit of of everyone if they choose if they if you choose to use them, use the resources that are necessary. You know, we got prayer therapy, um, confiding in someone. Uh, there are a number of resources out there, a number of them. Apps you have a number of just apps that are out there. So it's not like there's a lacking of resources by any stretch of imagination. We we live in a world, and sometimes the digital world can be overwhelming and talk about social media and things of that nature. But uh, there are a number of things from a digital standpoint that are beneficial uh, to you. And I just implore anybody to use those resources and not worry about what someone may think, the perception, um, because only at the end of the day, you know, if you know if you you don't have peace of mind, then what the hell do you have? Like like health is wealth. All right, and it's not just obviously physical health, but more importantly, mental health. So, happy World Mental Health Day. Um, again, use your resources. That's my my message <laughs> from that standpoint. Nathaniel Hackett. I didn't think that in a week through five weeks that I would be talking about Nathaniel Hackett, um, but we are. And the reason why we're talking about Nathaniel Hackett is because of what someone else said about him. That's the funny part. That's the funny thing about the NFL. Uh, of course, Denver, again, continues to be one of the biggest disappointments in the NFL. One of just one of the worst teams just to watch aesthetically in the NFL. We probably the probably worst coach team in the NFL. Again, I'm going to repeat that. They are the worst coach team in the NFL. So I, you hear that, Sean Payton? You have the worst coach team in the NFL right now. Um, that, of course, the Jets with the Denver really controlled that game, dominated with, with their defense. Zach Wilson outplayed Russell Wilson. Uh, but that's, that's neither here nor there versus what was the uh, story going to that game. Of course, that was Sean Payton's comments about Nathaniel Hackett. And it's just, you know, to say I, I can only imagine when you when a team gives you the game ball, you know, and you heard Aaron Rodgers talk about this over the course of the week and after the game, they were locked into that game. There was no way the Jets would lose that game. No way. And you know that they were they were like treating that like almost like the Super Bowl. Um again, I don't understand. I didn't need Sean Payton to tell me how Poorly, Denver was coached last year. I could have watched that for myself. Them being one of the worst offenses that I've ever seen, not for, not just statistically, but aesthetically, just just to as a football connoisseur of the past thirty five years. I didn't look at. I didn't need someone to tell me that. I, I could kind of figure that out for myself. So the idea that Sean Payton goes out there and rips another fellow coach is was just it just didn't feel right. 
like that type of energy just didn't feel right. And it's almost like the football guys are like, yep, okay, all right, Sean, we got you. We got you. And boy, have the Denver Broncos looked like shit on a stick this year. Uh, and I don't think, I'll be honest with you, I don't think they've gotten enough criticism. I don't think Sean Payton's got enough criticism on how bad this team looks. They look absolute like one of the worst teams in the league. Bad. They look they look dreadful. Horrible. So salute to Nathaniel Hackett. Um I'm not even a Jet fan per se. I'm not a Nathaniel Hackett fan, but I can't help but to be happy for Nathaniel Hackett, considering the fact that you had another coach completely just unnecessarily just shit on you for whatever reason. Like I again Sean Payton did a lot of talking this summer. He's doing he's done did a lot of talking this summer and his team is continuously getting their asses kicked week in and week out. What we need to be worried to here talking about is Sean Payton on the hot seat. That's what we need to be talking about. And should he even be coaching the NFL right now? How about that? How about that? That's gonna wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. As always, this podcast will be up uh by tomorrow. Um of course we're still doing snowfall. Uh, episode seven, season two, episode seven is is up right now. We'll be doing uh episode eight. Uh, we we'll be doing episode. I'll be putting episode eight out there later on this week, uh, early next week, as you all know. Have a great, great rest of your Tuesday. So long.